All right, everybody, we're coming at you left to right on the radio dial. Thanks for tuning in to Kafaru Cast, uh, brought to you by Kafaru International. And uh, you got Frank, the tort, tort life. Hello. And myself uh, hosting this, bring it to you live, however you want to call it. Uh, and we're not quite live, but whatever. Anyway, live we're alive. <laughs> yeah, we're alive. Uh, we're going to be talking today about some of the different uh, hunting trips we went on this year, Frank and I. Uh, uh, some of the trials and tribulations that we've had, some issues, um, maybe how we could have prevented those. Uh, and then just so you can laugh at us and know that we're not perfect, because it seems like um, everyone tries to be perfect nowadays in the outdoor industry. Like, there's, there's nothing ever bad that happens. So, uh, Frank, you got probably... The best story, you got pulmonary edema, legit lungs filling up, altitude sickness, hiking in for your mule deer hunt. Yeah, yeah, I did get altitude sickness this year, which is um, actually it's kind of funny. Uh, I, it happened to me once before, I want to say four or five seasons ago, and I was telling you about this um, before the most recent time it happened, and I wasn't sure if it was altitude sickness or I had gotten sick from um, a dirty uh, water filter, but... Yeah, basically I got um, high altitude pulmonary edema, which is one of the, I guess one of the most severe types of altitude sickness that you can get. Um, there's a bunch of different types of altitude sickness. So I was kind of sort of doing a half-assed research about it. and um, The Googler. Wow. Yeah. So I think the most common altitude sickness people get is acute, alt acute mountain sickness, I guess is what it's called. And it's basically um, nausea, dizziness, you're tired, you're not hungry, um, stuff like that. And that, that happens to a lot of, I would think that happens to a lot of people that um, come here from out of state and go hunting and they get those, those weird symptoms of, of altitude sickness, which um, from what I understand, they make medicine that kind of helps that out. But yeah, um, this season we, we did a bunch of uh, high altitude fishing trips and stuff like that, which kind of cut into scouting time. So I didn't I didn't do any scouting up high for, for my mule deer hunt because it was kind of an area that I've been to a ton. Um, I was kind of feeling the pressure of, of not necessarily having uh, a particular animal that I wanted to target. So um, when I hiked in for the hunt, I went in a few days early and I kind of, you know, I kind of just tried to go up there as fast as I could get to, to the spot I wanted to be at. Um, I had moved camps two or three times. Um, in those in those days, just trying to put my eyes on as as many deer as possible and see what was out there. And I just think that high exertion with minimal amount of of rest kind of got to me. And basically, what I got was was that high altitude pulmonary edema. And what happens is um, your lungs basically fill up with fluid, and it can be fatal. It it says it can be fatal within a few hours. And luckily, I kind of knew what the symptoms were, and I I got back to the truck as soon as I could, but it definitely took me a while. Um, but basically, you know, that it was, I think it was the second or the third day I was there. It was, it was the night before the opener. Um, I'd kind of been feeling congested during the day and I got back to camp and I was, um, I was making my food, um, at camp and kind of had this cough going on and I, I'd, set up camp near a spot where I could glass over a, a pretty good sized basin and then a, a distant ridge. And I was only walking, you know, probably 30, 40 yards or so to that spot. And then I would walk back to camp and I got super winded and I was like, what the heck is going on here? Um, in that particular spot, I kind of had cell phone service. So 
I was just like looking up symptoms of altitude sickness since this had kind of happened in the past. And uh, I saw that I kind of had symptoms of that high altitude pulmonary edema, but it was, by the time it was getting dark, I'd, I was, I think I was about seven or eight miles back from the truck. Um, so I figured I would kind of wait it out overnight and hike out in the morning. Well, um, I tried to lay down and get a little bit of rest, but that's when the, the, the fluid started accumulating. And um, I, I mean, I couldn't even lay down without coughing up a lung, and I was I was coughing up a bunch of fluid and stuff like that. So um, it gotten it was getting pretty bad pretty quick. So uh, at about 2 a.m. the night before the opener, I just packed up all my expensive stuff that I didn't want to leave on the mountain. Um, I left a dry sack of all. I my have food. to thank him for not leaving my <laughs> yeah, spotter. By that the was way. the first thing you asked me. Did you leave my spotter up there? I said no. I got it home. You're like you're you're full of shit. You you left it. But, um, I would have left it. Yeah. So I, I packed up um, all my expensive stuff and, uh, and, and decided to hike back at 2 a.m., which I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of partial. I think it was a good idea just because uh, if, if you stay up high and you're, you're start, you start getting these symptoms, from what, it's, from what I've read, I mean, you could, you could potentially die, you know, die in your sleep or whatever. Um, so I packed up. Um, I don't know what I do if I lost the torch. No <laughs> yeah, homo. I yeah, just, yeah packed up. Uh, I did have cell service at, um, at where my camp was, but between camp and the truck, I didn't. I did have the Delorme, um, and I, I just decided to pack up and hike back. It was extremely dark. It was overcast that night. Um, so, I mean, there wasn't any light. I just had my headlamp, and I probably blew out just about every deer in that little basin. I just All I could see was was uh, tons of eyes on the on the hillside blowing at me and, and – uh, taken off as I hiked out but um, basically it it took me seven hours to get back to my truck um, and at what one point I dropped into the wrong drainage um, there's another trail I dropped into and dropped probably five or six hundred feet down um, and had to hike back up and if anybody's ever had this this sim these symptoms or this sickness or whatever you want to call it uh, basically, it's pretty similar to, I guess, uh, pneumonia, where, where you're super light, short of breath. You got a ton of fluid in the lungs. You're coughing up a, a bunch of fluid. Um, and at, you know, when I when I started going up, I could walk okay when I was walking downhill or walking on flat ground. But anytime I had to walk up, I was only walking probably 10 to 15 yards at a time and taking a break. So it took me forever to get back. And uh, we we joked about it when I got back, but um, I I considered pulling a Zach Griffith several times on this, <laughs> on this, uh, on asked, this uh, hike back. I asked Frank when he got back. I'm like, dude, why didn't you just hit the button? Because I've had pneumonia, and and I I like Zach Griffith. Zach Griffith is a great guy. I like what he does in the out for the outdoor industry. But when he hit that button, I would be lying if so. I said several memes hadn't passed in front of me about the Wasatch Front SOS kit and several other things. <laughs> Zach, don't hate me, please. And so Frank almost died. I'm blaming you, Zach. Frank almost died because of you because he didn't want to hit the button, which I guess if I read the book, Extreme Ownership, technically it would have been because of me because Frank was worried I'd make fun of him, <laughs> along with probably Tanner, Coltiar, right? I don't know how you say his last name. Coltour or something. He owns uh, TSD, which is Team Soar uh, Dizzle, and uh, 
he's a bit of a hater. We like Tanner, but uh, he he does get down on people a bit. Um, and uh, knowing what Frank went through, um, yeah, Frank, I mean, you're harder than woodpecker lips, man. You're like a coffin nail. I don't know how the <laughs> hell you got out. I, I basically I, I may have hit the button. I basically just told myself. Once I can't walk anymore, that's when I'll I'll press the button. So I mean, it was it was pretty slow going. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty scary. I mean, I don't. It's something I hadn't really ever had to to deal with. And plus, I was I was solo, um, and I'm really glad that I had the dormy because I had the option to to use it. But just to bring um, that up, how did you get that dormy? I believe I acquired it from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that so, takes away all wrongdoings on my part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was thankful to have that. Um, so that kind of gave me a little bit of peace of mind as I walked out. You know, it, it sucked. Um, it was, uh, I don't want to make it more dramatic than it, than it, it, it is, but um, it was, I would consider it to be, you know, one of the hardest things I had to do um, in the mountains or on a hunt before just just because it, it, it could have been a lot worse than it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took me seven hours to get back to the truck, which is kind of funny because I, I, once I went back and I wasn't sick anymore, um, I killed a, a mule deer and um, it only took me five hours to get back to the truck. So I mean, that kind of just shows you how how bad these symptoms can get and how, how they can put you down quick. Um, so was that the first time, though, it sounds like, where you were in a position where it wasn't just you were cold and miserable, you seriously thought you were going to have to need, you, you were going to need help for somebody to come get you out? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking of, well... So this happened at night, and I was thinking, if I do press this button, is somebody really going to come come save me at, in the middle of the night when it's overcast and you can't see anything? Because um, say I had to wait for, if it wasn't a chopper or something that was going to come, say I had to wait for a for a guys on horseback if they would have even got to me in time. So I kind of just made the decision to to, <laughs> to just give her and get out get out of there as best I could. Um, but just giving her, just giving her. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I got back. Basically, the, this stuff lasts, I want to say I was sick for five five to seven days at home, um, basically just laying on the couch or laying on my bed um, in an elevated position to where I'm not laying flat because all that, that fluid in the lungs, you can't breathe, I'm just coughing that stuff up. Uh, but they do make a medicine which kind of helps with this. It's called uh, astezolamide, I think is what it's called. It's it basically is a, a blood pressure medicine. It kind of lowers your blood pressure. So, um, and from studies, it's shown to help, and it, it did help me. So basically, you take it three to five days in advance, one pill a day, and then you take it twice a day while you're up there. Um, I, I so I I missed the opener. I didn't even get to hunt. Uh, I went back two Wednesdays after. That's when I was actually finally feeling good. So I was I was feeling pretty shitty for a couple of weeks. Um, after this so I guess it is pretty serious but I took the medicine um, I went back up there there were still a handful of deer where I'd saw them uh, previously when I wasn't sick when I when I went up there a, a few days ahead and you know put a good stock on a mule deer and uh, it was the first stock I went on and shot it at 30 yards so it was, it was a great time and even though this happened I'm still addicted to the uh, high country mule deer hunting it's probably one of my favorite things aside from from coyote hunting so it's definitely definitely been a year to remember with that happening. So Frank, what uh what would you would you do anything different? Um, you know, honestly I'd probably just take it a little a little bit easier on the way in. I I was kind of hiking fast, getting out of breath pretty often, um, not taking very many breaks. 
Uh, so I, I just would have would have probably walked a little bit slower. Honestly, I wasn't as prepared as I should have been as far as scouting. I think that was definitely one thing that kind of um, caused this is I was just, you know, I was trying to get up there as, as fast as possible and get my eyes on some deer. And that's kind of probably where it all stemmed from. I would, you know, next year I plan on taking a lot more scouting trips. So I don't feel, um, feel the need to, to hike all over um, the Rocky Mountains just to find find some mule deer so then that deer you got was pretty good though especially i mean considering that you were three weeks into the season and uh almost killed yourself i mean that and i saw some of the footage from that it was pretty epic pretty epic hunt yeah it was a good hunt uh kind of frustrating so i <laughs> this is my own fault I, I i had uh i had the gopro on for the entire stock and I had gotten up above this mule deer at about 40 yards. It was bedded down behind some trees. And, uh, you know, I, I stood back there for a couple hours. And I had the GoPro on for, for just about the whole time. And I went to check the GoPro, and I was at 1%. And the, my other battery was, was, uh, was at camp, of course. Um, so, so I turned it off. Uh, the mule deer ended up standing up. He walked into these, this little patch of trees, and he came out on the other side while well, I turned my GoPro back on and you know I, I shot him at 30 yards and I go to turn off the GoPro and it already died so I lost the kill footage which sucks but um, yeah it was a, it was a great hunt um, it was it was crazy to see that most of of the deer I'd seen early in the season had worked their way out of of where they were hanging out and I, I want to say a lot of them got blown out when I uh, when I hiked out um, when I was sick but there were still a few hanging out and it's kind of funny. I had sent some pictures of of where the deer I had killed had been living. It was living below this uh, kind of like this Razorback Ridge up high. And I sent some pictures to Chris Molina, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go kill this deer." I sent it to him before season, when I, before I got sick, and then uh, and then I went back, and it was still there. And I kind of showed him that I had killed it, and he was he was super happy for me. So it was it was kind of nice to to have a a backup plan or some sort of plan when I went back, kind of knowing where at least what to expect. So speaking of the camera dying of batteries, maybe you <laughs> should mention the, your first, you know, tort life photography experience. Uh, so we, um, so when I finally got a, a decent camera, um, I'd gotten a camera here from Kifaru that was one of Aaron's early cameras, um, Olympus, uh, what was that, EM1 OD or something? EM1. Yeah, OD EM1. Um, I'd gotten it from Nate. Nate's uh, our IT guy here. He's going to be kind of um, taking care of the podcast for us and does a bunch of other stuff. But he, one of the things he does is photography here and he had been using that camera. So I got that camera with three batteries. I guess I'm just, I'm not <laughs> an idiot. I figured they were all charged. So we went, uh, we went up to, uh, to, to go shed hunt and Aaron was all pumped up to kind of teach me, um, some stuff. And I go to turn on the camera and all the, every single battery was dead. So, uh, and I think you called me an idiot and a dumbass and a bunch of other things that probably can't be said on the, on the podcast, but, um, yeah, he, but you learned from it. I kind of learned from it. Apparently I didn't this year, but, um, yeah, that's kind of stuff that, that happens, I guess. Yeah. If you're wondering what noise is going on in the background, we're trying to make, uh, the most of our time. I, I'm fletching arrows, uh, right now we're trying to do. There's been a lot of, um, we get a lot of questions on what our arrow setup is, but we also get a lot of questions on three or four fletch because um, I shoot four, Frank sometimes shoots four, 
you know, wind drift, does it help stabilization, what vein to shoot, um, how much difference it makes per veins. And so right now I'm fletching up some uh, two inch AAEs that um, they're basically uh, the Plastifletch Maxes. And I've got three inch uh, max stealths on my other arrows. And we're gonna do some, you know, long distance shooting um, just to kind of see, is there any wind drift differences with uh, one to the other, you know, four fletch to four fletch, but uh, obviously this fletch being lower profile and, and also uh, much shorter. So anyway, what else? Uh, you also went with Jordan Cower on a mule deer hunt, correct? Yeah, I just got back from Idaho with Jordan. Uh, we had went on a bear hunt this spring, which was the first hunt we had, we'd been on together. And then we just got back from a uh, successful mule deer hunt um, in the Idaho wilderness um, to a spot that neither of us had ever been before. So um, he he smoked a, a really good buck, um, and I got a, a pretty good one as well. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great time. And um, this year was actually the first time where I'd ever hunted with someone that I, you know, that I didn't really know too well. Jordan and I had become friends. Uh, when I first started here at Kafaru, um, pr pretty soon after we'd come out with a new frame, and Jordan was part of uh, Switchback Outdoors. And we had agreed to give those guys um, some of the new frames. Well, we were short on stock, so I let him borrow one of my frames. And we kind of just became friends from then, you know, kept in touch on Facebook, texting and calling each other and stuff. And he's a, he's a great dude. He helps us out at the shows. And we were talking at, at the uh, Utah Expo this year about doing a hunt. And he invited me out to come hunt uh, for spring black bear in Idaho. And we had a good time. Um, there are a few hiccups along the way. <laughs> so apparently, uh, Jordan has issues with stepping in other people's pee, and we just pee wherever we want. But Frank, you peed by the trailer, right? I peed by his truck, um, and uh, you know, whenever I, whenever I get to a spot or whenever I go hunting with somebody or go hiking or something, generally people get out and they pee like right by the front of the truck. I thought that was like pretty standard for just about everyone. Well. He got super pissed off at me um, and was like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm trying to take a piss. What's going on? And he was like, can't you piss somewhere else? Somebody's going to walk in that. Um, so I was like, what the F? This guy's crazy. But uh, yeah, he just, he didn't like the pee. But we had a, we had a good time um, on that spring bear hunt. I ended up uh, getting a bear on the last day. And I was thankful him and uh, his buddy Wes, they actually let me shoot. Um, because I mean, they they very well could have shot it as well, but that was my first my first black bear I'd ever ever killed, and um, it was fun. I learned a lot about Idaho. Um, I learned a lot about long range shooting, and that people like to shoot rocks in Idaho for extended periods of time. I, I think they they it's like a holiday. They take a day off every year for the shooting of rocks. Um, I had not realized it myself, but once I hung out with Ryan Avery. It is a, it's a sport. It's like opener. It's like fishing opener in Minnesota. Um, if you, if you've lived in Minnesota, that is a big deal. Rock shooting is also a big deal in Idaho. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely fun. Um, and it basically progresses to where you're shooting out. We shot as far as 1600 yards, which I think is over a mile. Which it's crazy to even think that we were taking shots that far, but we were shooting rocks that far. And, uh, um, yeah, that's why those guys are, are so talented out there. I think they just they get a ton of repetitions behind the gun, and um, it's definitely an art it's, to me. I mean, it seems like just as intricate, if if not maybe even more in some ways than than uh, than archery can be, because 
you know, hanging out with you all the time, I, I definitely learned a ton about archery I, that I didn't even know. Um, I think I told you uh, <laughs> the very first year I got a bow, I I brought some broadheads. I never even shot them, and I I went deer hunting with my dad, and I shot about a foot over a deer's back at like 20 yards. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to learn with with archery and and uh, and long range shooting. But I definitely learned a lot in Idaho, and like I said, we had some some issues along the way. We actually had a uh, an axle break off of his trailer, and that was interesting getting that fixed. Um, way back in the boonies. But um, yeah, we'll have to have Jordan on one of these times because he's, he's a super smart dude, a really great guy. And um, yeah, we just he's, got back. He's, that smile he has, I must say, looks a bit mm, He's got dev- a face devilish. for radio. Well, when he smiles, I'm like, he looks like he just committed a crime, a major crime, a heinous crime with that smile he's got. Cause, and, and I've had several people mention like, you ever notice when Jordan smiles, it's like he's just done something majorly wrong. Like as a kid, I bet he didn't do anything without getting caught because he had that, you know, shitty grin yeah, on his face. Guilty look. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, but um yeah, we went to we went to Idaho or I went to Idaho and met up with uh actually Matt Davis from Mountain Ops and uh David Dawson, which um just started working for them as a photographer. He was with us in Montana. Yeah, th- great dudes. Um we had a great time. So Matt had a a whitetail tag. Um, so we, we hunted with them for a, a day and actually got it done on the first day, but you know, that was, that was one of the, that was one of the funnest hunts, um, I've been on. We were just cracking jokes the whole time, not really taking much seriously. And, and Matt still ended up getting a, a deer on the ground. Um, it, it was hilarious. And, um, that one, we, uh, we just base camped at a, at a campground and, and, um, uh, did you cook s'mores? We didn't cook s'mores. Can Mormons eat s'mores? That's a good question. Are they allowed to have chocolate? Um, no, it was it was a great time. Uh, and then uh, after those guys took off, um, Jordan and I, we drove in, into another unit and hiked into the wilderness area that neither of us had been into. And uh, you know, we we had great luck, and we uh, we both got bucks. Jordan got a really nice one. I think that thing scored around one seventy six, and then um, mine wasn't very high scoring, but. I mean, I don't, I don't really give a, a shit about, about score anyway. You know, I'm, I'm there for the adventure. So, and Jordan actually had talked me out of shooting like a four corn and, and a couple of three points on that trip. Um, You've so, got the same disease I have. Yeah, I was like, I don't. Out. I was just telling him, man, I'm like, I don't care. I'll just shoot whatever. Man. I, I'm here for the, for the fun, and um, I, I like, I, I just like hunting, and I like, uh, I don't want to make it sound weird, but like harvesting animals and. I don't really care. It's just a bonus. I do like I like I do like to kind of target bigger deer for archery, but um, I could really care less on on just about everything else. So um, yeah, we we had a great time up there. Uh, I think we so Jordan had killed his deer on the I think on the second day of the hunt, and it was flipping cold up there, man, in Idaho, um, where we were at. Thank God we had the sawtooth in the stove. That was kind of a that was a game changer for us. Being able to go back to camp at night with the stove, warm up, get in your sleeping bag and go to sleep. And then when you get up in the morning, get up a little bit early, start that stove up, put your boots by the stove and you have warm boots to, to get into. And it kind of just gives you a little, I guess, a little pep in your step for the rest of the day. You kind of you're comfortable and um, ready to get after it. So he took his deer out on the uh, on the second day, I want to say. And then um, I think I had killed mine on the third or the fourth day. But. Basically, we we'd gotten to a nice glassing point and just glassed all day long, and we were we were turning up a lot of small bucks. And then uh, one evening, 
Jordan had spotted my buck and he was he was a couple miles away in a far basin and uh it was right before before sundown so we didn't quite have time to to get over there that night and um we devised a plan to where we were just going to get up super early in the morning get up to uh a kind of a ridge over top of that basin um where the buck should should be um right at daybreak and then try to put a move on him uh which worked out perfectly so we you know we got up a couple hours early it was super cold man i don't know what was going on in idaho while i was there but it was freezing um we got up early hiked down and and we uh we were hiking up this the, the last ridge to get up into that basin. It was extremely steep, and uh, I, I planted my trekking pole and slipped with my foot, and I smacked myself right in the face with my trekking pole. So I had this huge bruise on my head, which I was rolling around on the ground for a second because it hurt pretty good. And Jordan's like, what the hell are you doing, dude? We need to get up here. I'm like, did you not just see what happened? About knocked myself out. Um, but we, uh, we got to the top of that ridge. Um, probably up there for maybe maybe five minutes i i put my pack down got my tripod out and i was just putting the binos on on the tripod and um i was looking off into the where the buck was the night before jordan was looking kind of down um, in the bottom of the basin and right away he he pulled up that buck um so we uh we ranged it, it was about 400 yards or so um we dialed the correction into the scope and uh, the rest is history. Put a couple, uh, actually that deer soaked up three rounds. They were all good shots. It just, he wasn't going down. He wasn't going anywhere, but we just, you know, I, I kind of live by the philosophy. If they're not dead, then just pump a couple extra ones in there. Kind of finish it off quicker than, than, uh, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, it was a great hunt. We, uh, we packed out, we met a, a, a guy on, on the trail that was a, an Aaron Snyder fan. So that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it was an awesome trip. I can't wait. You to never do it know again. what you're going to turn up when you turn out somebody that knows me. Could be a fan. <laughs> yeah. Could not be. Yeah, no, he liked you. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to do it next year. It's it's definitely a a fun hunt to do. And like we had talked about earlier, I I don't mind archery hunting or or rifle hunting. It just it's fun either way for me. So. Gotcha. Well, what uh, what else was there? Well, you got another hunt coming up, right? Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to. Uh, Utah over Thanksgiving break. I'm going to try to meet up with uh, Isaac from Easton uh, By the way, Archery. I, Isaac is the man. Isaac uh, is the man. Isaac and I, we were talking yesterday. I have known Isaac since the beginning. If there is a beginning, Isaac was there at it. Um, he brought up a good point. He and I have never had one beef the entire time. No argument, no nothing. He says it's because uh, without, you know, this is his words, not mine. It's because he's Mexican. I don't know how true that is, but I do get along well with Frank. Um, also, I think it's the fact that he literally makes me laugh so hard. His his humor is a lot like mine, um, and he's a solid dude. His son is super cool. His daughter looks like she's just literally one of the very few people that is just happy um, all the time, and uh, he's a great dude. Yeah, yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about Isaac. Um, you introduced me to him a few years ago, and he's he's been a great guy, and always supported uh supported Kafaru and I definitely uh definitely like working with him but um yeah I'm gonna try to meet up with him and I think also David Austin's gonna be there as well uh we're gonna go chase some some rutting mule deer with with our bow so that'll be a, a great trip and I'm sure we're gonna laugh our asses off and just have a 
a fun time regardless of what what the outcome is so i'm pretty excited about that um a week the weekend before i went mule deer hunting with with uh with jordan i got a a bear here in colorado which was kind of uh kind of a random thing i just picked up a tag and wasn't really expecting to see one but i shot that with a with a gun as well um funny thing was that was like at 15 or 20 yards and i got this <laughs> this this 26 nozzler rifle which is kind of i'm not a long range shooter but it's kind of set up for that um and then i ended up shooting it like 15 yards so um it's been a, it's definitely been a fun year and can't wait to to get the southern mule deer hunt going i think uh I may be going with uh, Luke Cadillo to Nebraska for some whitetail action. And oh, then... so you're not going to kill anything? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was hoping to teach him how to do that. Um, I don't think he's had the best year, but he's a he's one of the funniest guys ever. A, a great friend, and um, I'm happy that he in, he invited me because he's just funny to hang out with. And uh, I think he's out there right now hunting. So hopefully that he's having some some luck. So I think they had a tough. Uh, archery season here in Colorado but I believe so Luke <laughs> is super funny I only poke fun of him because from pretty much from the moment he walks in the door he's cracking some kind of a joke um I believe I nicknamed those guys gladiators like to feast but I only <laughs> yeah. do that around Luke because it's with a bunch of them and get the shit kicked out of me so yeah he's got a rowdy bunch of friends but um and I had went to Montana with him a couple years ago for for the archery for the archery shoot up there and it was just it was a crazy time but and those guys they're all former mma guys um all fought in i think all of them fought in the octagon right um just about all of them yeah they yeah. were all either in the ufc or or something close to the ufc he, and he's training um justin uh, i don't know how to pronounce justin gaethje gaethje yeah, yeah which is is he the he's the he's pretty much the up-and-comer in that in, i don't know weight what weight class. division is it's the conor mcgregor weight division yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's got a lot of excitement behind him, and um, I haven't. I don't know if I've met Justin or not, but I don't think I have. Um, but yeah, they those guys use Kefaro gear, and they're great dudes. They're just good people, and they're funny. <laughs> they're, that's all I can say. Luke's always got a smile on his face. Always got some sort of joke. I don't know if I've ever seen him him pissed off or anything like that. So he's he's funny to hang out with. No, he's a good he's a good dude. I uh, I pretty much missed all of this. I have not attended work in quite some time. Well, I'm I'm technically working because it is my job to go uh, test gear, market the gear. Um, we have a lot of stuff that we may be coming out with that um, we need to use and abuse. Um, so I was gone. I started hunting the first part of August, uh, but I was pretty much gone from the end of August until two days ago. Yeah, um, you, pr you guys, you pretty much painted North America red. Just look at it. My yeah. arrow looks good. Yeah, that does oh, look good. That looks solid. Yeah. So I, I was on an antelope hunt with the, uh, the big ginger, which we're going to have on the podcast. Super knowledgeable when it comes to mule deer specifically, a mm -hmm. uh, great guide. I went on an antelope hunt with him, um, and got lucky and got an antelope on the first day with my bow. And then, uh, what did I do? Oh, went on a goat hunt with Bart Lancaster and uh, shot an amazing goat that took an amazing fall <laughs> yeah. off a 2,000-foot cliff. Also got to ride horses, which uh, if you ever want to laugh, just watch me on a horse. Bart was having a heyday. Uh, he knows I got really thick skin, so he's pretty much making fun of me from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed. <laughs> I believe I'm going on a goat hunt with Bart next year um, over more by, um, uh, well, over by the coast more. Um, up in British Columbia. I'm also supposed to go on a lynx hunt with him. But uh, 
You got, yeah. you'd like, you climbed from the bottom of a mountain to the top of a mountain to kill that goat, didn't you? I, I It was did. Like a pretty epic stock. Uh, well, the first day I actually missed a goat um, three times in one sitting. And uh, we had super high updrafts. Not, I mean, not making excuses, but it's actually one of the very few times in, in a long time in my uh, you know archery career where I really didn't know what to do. I probably shouldn't have taken the shot. I say that, but I'm sure I would do it again. Um, uh, with the updraft, I did not know what to calculate for for deduction. It was already uh, 30, I think it was 37 degree angle. Um, I think I'd already cut for the, for the angle, I'd already cut off like 11 or 12 yards and, uh, it's all on video. Um, you know, I looked back at Barton and I just said, dude, I don't, I don't know. I was like this, it's a far shot. Um, I think it was 76 yards. Um, but the wind was not hitting me at all. So when I drew my bow back, um, I mean, I was solid as a rock and, uh, it, um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any issue blowing left to right. I, I just simply, it, the, the arrow did not arc. Um, and it did not arc on any three shots. By the time it was said and done, after the first shot, I cut off, I can't remember, six, seven, eight, nine yards, whatever it was. Shot over its back again. Cut more off. Shot right over its back again. Cut three more off. And shot right over its back again. And uh, just missed. But then we went back in and um, climbed... Uh, all the way atop above a glacier to the high, really the highest point around. Uh, the, the goat was, he was um, um, basically what we call planted. Um, he was asleep, you know, laying in his bed. And uh, he, it was a little sketchy. Um, I was with uh, Roger Oler when we shot this. He's one of Bart's guides. Um, Roger and I actually, when we climbed up, waited just outside the cliffs um, in the idea he would come back out and feed. Um, Roger, as luck would have it, has the same issue with ADD that I do. And that lasted about 25 minutes. And then we're like, ah, those cliffs don't look too bad. So we started monkeying around in these cliffs, which Frank's seen the photos. Yeah. It is a 2000 foot drop. Um, Roger, I had thought it was in one spot and I kind of climbed that way. Roger thought it was in the other pretty quickly. I mean, we're only 20 yards apart. Roger's pointing down and he's like, it's gotta be right here, man. And I looked to the left and I'm like, yeah, you're right, because we wouldn't have been able to see him from where we were if it was to where I was looking down. So I got uh, got ready to go, got an arrow knocked. Um, Roger started chucking boulders off the side of the mountain and he wouldn't he wouldn't come out. We, had, we couldn't see him. And I mean, it was to the point where Roger was holding on to my feet um, and I was trying to overlook, uh, look over this cliff to, to find him. Um, and then we finally just he's get, he's got to be right below us. So I got ready. Uh, Roger started chucking rocks, nothing, nothing. Five minutes went by. I grabbed a boulder about the size of Roger's head <laughs> and chunked that thing down. And I didn't have, and that moved it. I got him to come up. When he came out, I didn't have time to, to tell Roger. And I think Roger realized that I'd seen it when he was about to tell me because I was already getting my bow drawn. I got the full draw and looked. And I'm like, man, I can't shoot him there. He was about 18 yards, maybe 15 yards below me. I let him walk out. Um, about 25, 30 yards. He was in a spot I was going to take him. About the time I was going to shoot, I realized no matter what, if I hit him there, he's probably, unless I just shoot high spine or like high shoulder, he's going to move a lot and and fall. So I let him move again. He got out to 54. Um, I let kind of a meh out. He stopped and um, I drilled him, you know, cornering away. And uh, he ran farther than he 
Basically, if he would have ran 35 yards, we would have been good. If he would have ran 25 yards, we would have been good. But he ran 30 yards. And he rolled for about 200 yards. Feet were going uphill. And Roger's like, he stopped. We're good. And then his feet flipped over. And he rolled for a solid 60 seconds. Um, I mean, technically, I actually looked on the map when I got back. It was 2,586 feet from the top of that mountain where we shot him to where he f stopped rolling in the valley uh, wow. if you look at the pictures he's in bad shape luckily for roger i don't worry about that i think he was a little nervous so meaning he thought i was going to be super pissed that the, the you know there's basically nothing left of it but man it was a great adventure i would do anything for bart roger his family they're all great people uh and for me it was just about going so i, I wasn't like super disappointed obviously it's always going to be better if you know, your goat doesn't look like hammered shit, but I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a super cool trip. Next day, Brian, we got one on, we got him on one that was like a 15 yard shot or 12 yards or super, super, super close and uh, awesome stock with that one. And he was able to take one and uh, Patrick was up there with Kafaru. He got a moose. So that was a great trip and um, came back and went on Brian's, uh, you know, elk hunt and which was amazing. Did you um, did you guys get the Giardia when you were in in goat camp? Is that or the when did you guys get that? Uh, yeah, we were in, we got uh, Giardia up in Bart's drinking out of the camp water. It wasn't <laughs> at Bart's camp; it was where he leased the tags from. I from what I understand, but mm -hmm. yeah, we got Giardia. Um, we backpacked in to go on Brian's hunt. Uh, Brian was already sick, getting better. I was thinking, "What's wrong with you? I'm fine." And, uh, I got super, super sick. Um, I lost 18, 20 pounds. I got down to 186, which, uh, if mom, if you're listening, uh, she will chime in. I don't think I have weighed 176 since probably seventh grade. So since 1990 or something, right? <laughs> I, I'm a big kid. Um, so I had to actually four days into the hunt or five days. I couldn't, uh, I could, I was having trouble. I was okay if I didn't eat, and so I was going off of no food, and finally I had to call Amy, give her a coordinate to pick me up, and, and hike out. Um, just I, I, mean, I was in bad shape. Um, went to the hospital, and uh, I did not, they just gave me IVs and uh, got me feeling better, said I had some kind of stomach flu virus. I didn't um, actually, you know, did a stool sample thing. Uh, went back in um, with Brian, I had trouble. Um, you know, I just did not feel well. I was super weak, but went back in. We almost got it done. Brian actually ended up wounding a bull. Um, the second time we went in, at like 35 yards, hit it up in the shoulder. Um, we didn't find that one. Uh, the next night, he actually missed a couple times at a bull. So we were into, so we were into elk. Um, anyway, we ended up coming back out, I think after five days and I couldn't hunt, you know, I promised Brian I'd, I'd help him cause that's what he did for me last year. So I couldn't hunt until he got one and, and, uh, we were kind of running out of season. So the third time I went in, in between there, Bart texted me and said, Hey, everybody went and got tested. We all have Giardia. Uh, so I went in, no, I, I didn't, um, go in. I called and they, they gave me the medicine I needed for it. Um, and then Brian and I hiked back in for the third time and, we planned it right. We were getting into elk. Um, actually, that was... No, Brian missed one, I th think. 
He didn't miss one the first trip. We were into elk the first trip. The second trip, I think he missed one or two. Um, I wasn't there. That was with Ben. And then the third trip, the first day he had wounded one. And then the second day he had missed one. And then the third day um, we got into him, but we didn't get one. The fourth day we got on him um, from the bottom, just kept following him. We about got a shot um, at one bull. It just didn't work out. And then we had um, a bull I was calling to that just didn't come in. And he was able to circle around, uh, got a good broadside shot. I think he shot it for 30, um, and it was actually 40 yards. So he hit it low in the brisket. And as, as anyone knows that's hit an animal in the brisket or been on that tracking job, uh, it sucks because they bleed, but they don't, they don't expire. They don't die. We followed that forever to the point there was no more blood. We were kind of gridding out, just looking for, um, you know, any sign to stay on it. Uh, we, we, we gritted, I don't know, for basically to the point where I was done looking. Um, I knew that the elk was fine. And I just sat on my big butt out of water, out of food. And I looked at Brian and I'm like, dude, that thing's coming. And there was a bull, 1230, 1 o'clock, or maybe it was 2.30, ah, whatever it was, bugling right at us, coming to us. That bull literally bugled his way into death. He bugled his entire way in. Um, to the point Brian got a 70, maybe 60 yard, whatever it was, shot, broadside, he smoked it. And uh, that was on a Thursday or Friday just before the season ended. So that kind of ended my season in Colorado. I didn't really have a chance to hunt elk, but we had an elk coming up in Montana. I'm kind of brushing through these fast, but I had an elk coming up in Montana. Um, so I went to Montana with the Mountain Ops guys, uh, was lucky enough, got an elk there. Um, and uh, Brian... Um, Brian hit an elk and he, and he, he actually missed it. We were all at, going <laughs> Dude, after it. I have to say those videos he did, uh, his Insta story with, when he had his, uh, face painted, man, oh my gosh, I just, I don't know why, like he was clearly upset, but it just, they just made me laugh so hard. Well, I think, I think just that, um, I mean, Jordan got an elk, his first elk, right? And it was an amazing, um, I mean, you couldn't be happier for the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um casey he also got his elk i was in the blind with him of course we didn't video anything because we were too worried about shooting stuff casey and i suck at that and casey i was laughing because um that bull had alfalfa stuck to its head looked like an had like an afro coming in and we got lucky because he finally stood still you know these bulls are moving a lot and casey just i mean he he crushed that thing just made a perfect shot um and then brian had been sitting um I think he, three days in this telephone pole year we were watching every night and he had elk around him. Um, but some of them were closer than, or farther away than we thought. Um, but the last night I was in the, the blind with Brian and, uh, it, um, literally every elk did not come to us. They all went into this different property and we're sitting there and a five by five raghorn comes out and literally is like, for whatever reason, on a mission straight to us with nine cows. And, uh, you know, in the midst of all that, I'm reading off the range, and I told Brian, I said, hey, dude, you're going to have to aim left. we got a pretty stiff crossed wind. And um, I think Brian just got caught kind of in the moment. Um, he forgot to aim left on this crosswind. And uh, I had told him 64 yards when it first stopped, and it came in a little farther at 60. And um, he, did, he didn't move his sight, so he ended up shooting – high and back 
luckily we were able to get back we were able to get out of the blind because it ran off we waited a little bit obviously and get on it and he tried to get another arrow into it uh, but it was super windy and I, I didn't think he would hit it on that one just because it was so windy it would have been a difficult shot and he was shooting a hinge style release uh, which he's super good with um, on the range uh, but it's a little bit more difficult when you're rushed and with the wind it's hard to shoot uh, then we snuck back in, I think, to 58 or 48 yards. Um, and I thought he was going to hit it on that one, but he, he missed it again. We, we didn't get the elk. We had to leave the next day. Um, so we, we went up to uh, British Columbia after that for a moose hunt. Um, you guys went straight to straight straight up there from Montana, right? Yep, straight from, Monta from Montana to, to B.C. And as you can imagine, the packing for this was a nightmare. Just for <laughs> everything we had to bring... Uh, you know, we were floating a river in BC. Um, you know, Alberta was after that for mule deer. And, uh, you know, BC can be harsh weather wise as far as like, you know, 30, you know, Fahrenheit wise, um, you know, 29 to, to 40 is it 40 is about the high where we were at and just rain and snow all the time. But um, we got on uh, some moose, but we, we had a moose come out and, uh, it, uh, it wasn't something I didn't think I could kill with a bow. It was a really good moose. I didn't want to see it go away. Brian didn't mind whacking it with a gun. Um, and uh, I kicked my pack out, and Brian dropped it, shot it looking at us basically like 158 yards or 60 or something. And uh, great moose. And, and I still was wanting to shoot just a giant. That lasted a few more days. I think I made it four more days of straight rain and snow. And we were getting ready to go float the river, and I was literally ready to shoot anything to fill the freezer, you know, spirit of full candor, no BS. My trophy hunting went to shit. I was sitting on the side of the hill like, we need to get a moose before we float this river. It was 40 mile an hour, 30 mile an hour winds, sleet, freezing rain, um, you know, call me a weenie or whatever. I had had about as much as I wanted to have of, of that at that point. And we needed to get to Alberta um, as well, which is not why, because I, I grabbed a gun and not making excuses at all. I didn't mind shooting it with a gun. It was more uh, of me weaning out because of the weather. Looking back, I should have taken the bow that day because that moose came in. I shot it at 80 and it was still coming when I shot it. It was a giant moose. Devin did an amazing job calling that thing in. Um, Devin is actually uh, Clay Lancaster's, one of his best friend's son. And uh, when we were sitting on the edge, there was like a little two-point moose that came out. And uh, I could have shot it about from where we were, but I looked at Devin. I'm like, dude, this big one don't come out. And that little one crosses the river. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> and he was la laughing. And I'm like, oh, no, dude, I'm not I'm not kidding. I'll drop that moose that crosses that river. Uh, he was pretty happy it didn't cross the river because Brian tried to explain to him how, to, how it is trying to stop me from shooting something when I want to, which is like trying to stop a river right it ain't so you ain't stopping yeah. me i'm gonna shoot yeah. it well that that thing didn't come back out and uh we talked to ben another guy that was with us ben was like hey man he was looking watching in the spotter he's like i don't think that moose came out of the wood line so we hiked up there we crossed the river got a little bit wet um got up there he started calling um uh Devin did and uh we could hear it coming but i couldn't i couldn't see it brian said he thought he could see it then Brian said he could, and where I was rested, I couldn't. Finally, actually, Devin made the smartest move of the day. He hooked up, grabbed his paddle, started raking, and that boost was about to wind us, and it just busted straight on a mission to beat Devin's ass. He was like, okay, 
who's in my house. And I think it got to about 80 yards and I cracked it with a 338 and it dropped right there. Um, super cool. Not a cool pack out, even though Devin was able to get the rhino a little bit closer for sure. Um, that thing looked like a monster. It was a big moose. Um, you know, I don't, I think uh, we scored it. It was one seventy-eight, maybe one eighty-two. I can't remember, but it's a good moose. Um, I didn't, I don't, we didn't do, uh, we didn't score it for a couple of days when we were boiling them. And really we were just trying to get an idea of, um, you know, size wise for Lander, um, you know, what it was. I really don't care too much, but it was a, it was a, <laughs> consider I was about to shoot a two point. It was a great move. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we headed up to Alberta, uh, with Jeff Lander, With Jeff Lander is a, you know, lifelong friend of mine. He owns primitive outfitting. He's the guy I do most of my hunts with, right? I mean, I go and I hunt spring bear up there. I shot a spring black bear with him this year and a spring grizzly. Um, black bear I shot with a bow, grizzly I shot with a rifle. Um, oh, I did leave out. We got charged by a grizzly in BC too. Um, yeah, I saw that. What, what was the uh, what was the deal with that? We're just calling moose, and he came in to eat dinner. Um, Good God, came into like twelve yards. Um, pretty crazy. And then we had a guy with us up there that actually took a grizzly in a blizzard with his bow uh with jeff um it's pretty amazing uh amazing hunt yeah you'll see the video brian's got all the video of that moose or that grizzly charge um which is pretty cool i mean i i was probably more excited than i should be considering i could have eaten it you can see how i was pretty pumped up on on film um you know just to, to to be in that situation was pretty cool um to see it get that close see it come in like that but uh yeah you'll see more about that brian will have the full video i'm sure it'll go viral like crazy because uh that thing was inbound hot and it was coming to eat our snickers bars but uh but yeah so we went to alberta and uh got super lucky um you know lander told me lander's a traditional shooter um he, he doesn't mind compound shooters loves them but uh lander's a trad guy and you know i look at lander as um you know he's a guy that I guess you could say guides me from doing stupid shit, right? Um, doing anything stupid in the industry or whatever. He keeps me in he's check. The, he's the voice of reason. He's definitely the voice of reason. He's been doing this forever. Um, Lander told me, he said, Aaron, if you want to shoot an animal far away, that's your decision. But you hit one past 60 yards, your tag's full. And I don't care if you hit it in the hoof. And I was like, hey, man, I, I, I have no issue with that, right? I was like, I... And this, this is another top podcast or whatever, as far as, you know, the, the line in the sand of, uh, uh, technology f shooting distance, um, you know, all that stuff. But I was like, Hey, you know what? I know I'm taking a shot that could be looked at as unethical if I shoot that far. Um, and I got to own it. And if I can't hit it with, you know, a high 99%, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I should have to fill my tag. I'm like, dude, I got no issues with that. And I, I, I applaud him for, you know, telling me that and, and taking that stance. So, uh, either way, I just thought, well, you know what, I'm going to get really close and pretend like I got a recurve in my hand. Cause I don't want to be filling my tag, uh, not bringing anything home. Yeah. Um, he put me in this, this spot where there's like, if you can imagine like a football stadium and there's this little cattail patch right in the middle of the bottom of it. Um, I never in a million years thought I'd make this stock. Um, I'm shortening this story up. A couple bucks and a doe went in, bedded inside of it in the cattails. I waited for quite a while for him to get real bedded up. And uh, I, I put on some uh, sneaky feet. Um, these, you know, they're, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, quiet. Um, they're kind of like a, like a moccasin, but like synthetic. They're basically. like a ninja moccasin. Yeah. 
Um, I, uh, I got those on for the entire, I don't know what it was, 800 and some yard, you know, stock, which was an epic pain in my, uh, my butt, uh, cause they don't hold out cactus. But on the way in, um, you know, I try to be real methodical glassing through those, um, uh, the cattails to see if I could get them pinned down where they were at. On the way down, I actually got 45 yards behind a six, like a six or eight year old forked horn. And I had a moral dilemma, right? I'm sitting there like, do I shoot this forked horn? Cause it's old and mature. Or do I go after the one I'm after, you know? And I figured, I was thinking we had Brian Broderick up with us with Lost Arrow Films. Brian's another guy, voice of reason for me. Super good dude. Trad hunter to the bone. Um, I thought, you know what? That is a, that would, it was a narrow and super high um, two point, right? And he likes narrow and super high deer. And I, you know, I was like, well, you know, in the midst of figuring all of this out, if I'm going to shoot it or not, I thought, you know what? I'm going after that other deer. Um, turns out I ended up shooting the wrong deer anyway in the cattails, but I hooked <laughs> way around and that, that two point blew out. And I thought when he would blow out, there was no way he would do a total loop and come back into the cattails. Sure as shit, he runs way out the way he's supposed to go, hooks left, goes about in a four or five hundred yard loop, comes right into the middle of the cattails. All the other deer stand up. I'm like, Lander's going to kill me. I screwed this up. And they all bed back down. I'm laying on my back in the middle of this two inch corn stubble, just watching they must have not, you know, when all the other deer up, they kind of looked around. That deer couldn't see me anymore because I was laying in this divot. I waited 30 minutes for things to calm down, made my approach again. I was doing like 100-yard increments, 50-yard increments. I'd stop. I'd lay on my back, and I'd glass it just to make sure nothing was up or moving. I'd move in again over the course of, I don't know, three, eight, four hours. I got to the edge of the cattails. And I'm like, okay. And I remember Lander saying, if you get to the edge of the cattails, you're going to have to wait till like five till they stand up to feed and hope you're in the edge of the, the right edge of it from the feed out. Well, hell, it was like noon, right? <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it till five. And so I put my ninja face on and was like, you know what? Just stay calm, make real slow movements, find the deer. Once you find them, because I had a good idea because that fork horn made them stand up where they were. Not too much long after I found one bedded through those cattails, I just could see tines. I kind of figured out which direction I would need, or not direction, which spot. I, I knew I had to go forward, but at which spot I had to get to to have maybe a feasible shot in the cattails. You know, and all of this is happening. I'm waiting for all these deer to blow out. I'm, I'm taking a step every 30 seconds, as quiet as I can be. I get over there, and I'm like, there's no way in hell I can sneak an arrow through these cattails. I can't even hardly see these deer. So I went back a few yards and got on the inner perimeter of these cattails, which it's hard to explain, but it's like quiet, really noisy for 10 yards, inner perimeter's quiet, it's like soft dirt. As a, Miraculously, I moved slow enough, which if you ever hunted with me, it is miraculous because I don't, I'm not, I guess once I know an animal's there, I'm super sneaky, but any other time I'm not. I got on that inside perimeter I got to a position where I could see all these deer and I'm like, holy cow, there is way more deer in these cattails than I had initially seen. I could just see antlers. There's like an antler farm sticking up and I'm trying to figure out which deer is which because I can see the bodies of two bucks, one being in that, you know, 160 range and one being in that 180 range. And I can't quite figure out 
which deer is, is which with the way these cattails are. And I got to a point where I could see their bodies, uh, the way that they were bedded. And I had a really good shot at the bigger bodied buck. And I wasn't certain if it was the biggest one or not. I mean, I knew it was a buck, obviously. Um, but I didn't know in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, that could be that other buck. I don't know if it's got the biggest rack. And I was like, yeah, but I, you know, again, I don't really care. So I shot it and, uh, didn't end up being the biggest deer. It was like, huh, they all ran out and, and I saw the really big one, which Lander got photos of later, but I made like 35 yard shot. I shot it with a, uh, from Rocky mountain specialty gear. They're a cutthroat broadhead. Um, I was shooting an Easton axis, uh, 260, um, super heavy arrow, 75 grains up front, 125 tip. Um, this isn't a sales pitch. This is just because people asked me, um, you know, I'm shooting a prime. Uh, I had the synergy with me. It was at 86 pounds or 84 pounds. I went through the dead middle of the meaty part of the shoulder because he was bedded. It blew through him and broke his leg on the opposite side in half, and I couldn't find the arrow. It was the most devastating shot that I'd seen as far as um, not the hole, but just what it did to the deer. When it blew that offside leg in half, when it ran off, it ran uphill. And I always think of this when I see something run uphill. I'm like, man, Chuck Adams was full of shit. They <laughs> yeah. run uphill, right, when you hit them sometimes. They may not run far. Yeah. He ran 40 yards uphill, no no leg on the front right side, um, and just flipped over dead. And uh, it was a pretty amazing, uh, amazing. I mean, it was. It, it kind of, it, it, uh, you getting that close and having that long in the stock, that kind of gave you the, uh, the urge to go back to the trad bow, didn't it? Not that, no. That did not do it. That the day it. was not over yet, my friend. <laughs> uh, so Lander and Broderick come get me. They got a bear. Uh, come pick me up. Come pick the deer up. They got a bear uh, deer bedded. And and I, I you know, I got to say, like Broderick, I would do anything for Brian Broderick. The guy is just an amazing person. He's an amazing hunter. And he's just fun to be around. Um, yeah, I hunted uh, uh, in, Ar or in Arkansas, in Alabama with him a ton for whitetails. So Broderick's got his longbow. And uh, I go on the stock to film it. Well, we get down there, and the deer is not bedded anymore. It's feeding. Broderick, you know, led the stock. It was just my job to not do anything stupid and get it on film. And uh, I follow him, right? We get, we get jammed up. The does in uh, the buck and the does, there's a bunch feeding. I just sat in a hole with the camera in my lap waiting because I didn't want to blow anything out. Uh, you know, several minutes go by. Broderick looks back at me, points forward. All right, we're on the move. So we're going to, and I knew he didn't have to tell me. I knew what we were doing. We we're going to get ahead of it and uh, get it walking below us. We, we move as fast as we can move. Um, Brian Broderick gets ahead of it. And right when he comes around the corner, he says, it's right there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I kind of stand on my toes and he's like, no, it's right effing there. And I'm like, oh, this thing is at like 10, 12 yards there. And, and it was, it was sitting there, it was feeding. Um, it kind of fed by Broderick, or fed to Broderick, and then it, it busted a left. And Broderick, you could tell, I mean, he was not shaking. That dude was like a stone. That deer, he waited for its right eye to, to get to where he couldn't see Broderick, if that makes sense. Broderick took two steps forward with that longbow and shot it right in the heart. And I was like, wow, that was everything I remembered trad hunting to be getting that close, um, you know, have to make obviously 
you got to be a lot more careful with a trad bow. You got to you can't be quite as lax to daisy coal as you can with a with a compound. And and that was kind of like that gave me a little bit of trad wood. That made I was like, man, I I do <laughs> <Trad> miss <wood. laughs> I do miss the stick bow a little bit. So and that was an epic epic hunt. So Lander is up on the hillside, you know, getting my deer uh, taken care of. And I texted him. I'm like, man, drive down here. Broderick just crushed this thing. And uh, he's like, what? Because I don't know if they've ever got a double in a day. Definitely not a double on the first day. And certainly not a double with a tread and a compound bow. So Lander was super happy. It was pretty wild. Yeah, that looks awesome. It's, uh, it's a whole other ball game going to the uh, to the trad life. I definitely didn't last very long in the trad game <laughs> myself. Um but yeah, you gotta have a lot of respect for those guys, and yeah, you you freaking slayed it last year with the trad bow, so that kind of got your wheel spinning there again, huh? Yeah, it did a little bit. I mean, it's it's um it's hard for me to to choose which one I like best because there's certain things I like about the compound. Um, I'm shooting that prime. Um, it um it I don't know that I've ever shot a bow as well as I have that prime. Um, it just flat out hits what I'm aiming at. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Obviously I'm doing my part, but I beat the living shit out of that bow, right? Like just, just destroyed it and it just kept on hitting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like shooting that bow. There's a lot, uh, um, there's a lot I like about both, but you definitely have to work a lot harder, uh, with the trad bow. You definitely have to be smarter and you definitely get a feeling of a, a more feeling of accomplishment accomplishment with it when you when you do take an animal um i was i was thinking about doing this easter i got an eastern plains rut hunt uh for mule deer uh that i'm going with uh on with a big ginger on and i may bring the stick bow for that if i can i've practiced a little bit with it the last few days so i'm looking forward to that and i still got a few hunts left this year so yeah that would be awesome yeah so anyway well we should probably wrap this one up i think we're quite a ways into this thing um probably an hour but uh but yeah, it's been a great season. I mean, we're going to do a few more of these with no, uh, you know, just audio, no, uh, no video recording. Uh, we'll start the video recording pretty soon, probably once we move to the other side. But uh, definitely we're going to hit some high and low notes on the next podcast of gear. What failed, what didn't, uh, what we wish we probably would have done differently, things like that. So definitely tune in just because I had some pretty epic gear failures this year, but I also had some pretty epic gear that, that I probably won't be switching from for quite a while. Sounds good. Well, we'll see you guys later. Yep. Thanks for tuning in.